Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I fucked it up. (laughs) That's okay, because unlike you, Joe knows movies. All right. This is a redo, a modernized redo of Django Unchained. All right. I love talking about this movie with people I give rides to, you know, whether I'm at work doing shuttle driving or I'm doing the quote unquote ride sharing thing. I love talking about this movie because this is a fun movie. Tarantino, if you understand the thought process of Quentin Tarantino, I don't think anyone could ever 100% understand him, except maybe even Tarantino, maybe not even him, he himself. But regardless, if you, if you get the gist of Quentin Tarantino, you understand that he loves movies. He loves to make movies and he loves loves to show us, the audience, his inspirations growing up. Django Unchained is a great example of what he grew up watching. Kill Bill is also a great example of that too, because there's a shitload of genres that's in that's in those films. But with Django, you've got the spaghetti western. And it's like, oh, cool, he's doing the spaghetti western straight on. And it's fun. It's great. Love it. Okay. Of course, there's a ton of bad words in there. That you, you gotta have bad words. It's Tarantino. I mean, what else are you gonna do, right? So Every character in this movie, and I cannot think of a single exception, is fucking great in this film. Jamie Foxx is great, and I'm glad that he took the role when Will Smith was too much of a pussy, and he turned it down, because he was worried about, you know, the we ain't gonna get into that. Fuck with you, Will Smith. Let Eminem deal with you. So, Jamie Foxx, cool cat, does a good job, he's really good in the movie. Love him, but the selling point is there's two people in this movie that are the best. Absolutely the best, okay? You've got, I almost said Bruno Kirby. Can you believe that shit? I almost said Bruno fucking Kirby. Christoph Waltz as King Schultz, okay? Great introductory to the character where he's riding on his fucking horse carriage with with his giant tooth wobbling around on the top of it, making it look like he's his weirdo dentist and shit. And it would have been cool if there was a little thing with him where he collected the teeth out of all of his bounties and then they were inside the shack. I just thought of that off the top of my head, you know, because he had that giant tooth hanging on there, but that's just stupid. So, and then the other character is uh, Calvin Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who everyone praised his performance, but yet, strangely enough, he didn't get nominated for an Oscar for it. What in the motherfuck? Okay, that makes no sense to me because his performance here is Calvin Candy, especially when he broke that glass, okay, and he didn't break character when he did break that glass and made his hand bleed, was way better than his mumbling and groaning and crawling in The Revenant, okay, which he won the Oscar for, which anyone who knows anything knows that was a fucking makeup Oscar, okay? Oh, we're sorry about Gilbert Grape and Titanic and all that other shit. Here's your fucking Oscar for, you know, groaning and shit. All right, so done with that fucking rant. Another character in this movie, and I, I will say this to this day, the most underrated actor in this film was Samuel Jackson's character. Character. Absolutely. Samuel Jackson, who played Stephen, the uh, the uh, the house uh, you add in the other word, okay? He was, how was he underrated? Okay, because at first he just seems, you know, like, okay, Samuel Jackson, but no, there's, there's this subtlety to him. And it was, it was really, it was, his character actually has layers to it. Like, I remember the first scene that they show him and Django's wearing that weird ass outfit and he's riding towards, he's riding with everybody else towards uh, Candy's um, uh, plantation or whatever, the plantation house. And, and Samuel Jackson's happy that his massa has come home and he, he walks out and, you know, cause he, I mean, right when he sees that his mass is coming home, he puts on that fake fucking airs, right? He, he's, he's acting like, oh, yes, uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, and he, he puts it on the front, right? You know, even though he's not like that. And then he sees Django riding on this horse 
wearing this outfit. And he's like, who the fuck is this guy to think that he is good enough to be on one of Cal, you know, be on this horse around Calvin Candy. And, and I'm, I'm hearing this, I'm, I'm here stuck here doing, you know, running all these maids and servants and slaves and shit. Fuck that bullshit. And you see this rage building up in him. He's like, Oh, I got to fuck with this guy. And, and it, it, and when the movie like builds on and you have Samuel Jackson's character where he, um, he, when he's alone with DiCaprio's character, okay? When he's alone, I got to pause. I'm putting calls from multiple people. Hold on. So one of the good things, the great things about Jackson's character is he puts on this front when he's around everybody. But when he's alone in a room with Calvin Candy, you can see in a way who the real ringmaster is. It, it's it's a it's a really cool change. Uh, what do they call that? It's a juxtaposition or, or you know, a, uh, whatever you call it. But you can see that Jackson's character is completely, he's standing up straight. He's not limping anymore. He's more calm and collected. He's speaking like an intelligent man and not some servant who's been beaten down his whole life. And you can tell that he's manipulating Candy's character, you know, and it's great. It, it, you know, he's he's pulling the strings, you know, from back there. It's like almost like he's the master. And it's cool because he's been involved in Candy's life since he was a baby, I, I assume, right? So he knows what buttons to push and he knows how to push him in a direction that keeps Sam Jackson's character where he's at, where he he runs everything and that, you know, he he's in the background and that's where he wants to be because that's the best place that someone in his position can be in at that time period is in that kind of control there. He can't go any further. And he 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 milks it for all it's worth. And it, it like I said, it's an underrated performance. And the fact that no one ever talks about how good Sam Jackson is in this movie pisses me off. It really does because no one seems to notice it for the most part until I bring it up. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Oh, motherfucker, you do get it because I just said it. All right. So moving on from that, there is is so much fun trivia related stuff to this like when i talk to people about this movie i say while you're watching this film look up the trivia go into imdb or wherever and read trivia on this film because there's things i already knew because i'm a movie guy but there's things in this movie that are fascinating and it's just fun it adds it just opens it up so much more Okay. The for example, during the Mandingo fighting scene where Django's standing at the bar and this old guy comes up to him and he, you know, goes, What's your name? And he goes, Django. And he goes, The D is silent. And he goes, I know. And then he walks away. That's the guy who originally played Django in the old Django movies. And this movie is just in Django in name only. This is an original film that's influenced that 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 Tarantino made that, that's influenced by the Django films and other films from that time period. But it's just really cool for him to have that actor in there. And then I remember this because I grew up watching Bonanza with my grandmother and stuff. When I saw this green jacket that Django was wearing, that I'm like, that looks like little Joe's jacket from Bonanza. And then holy shit, I found out through, you know, confirmation through the, through, through the trivia that that was, they, it was a replica intentionally made because all these little things, you know, that they, that Tarantino threw into it. it. It's like, it's like you're watching a movie where the trivia comes alive while you're watching it. And it's so fucking cool. And so I can only imagine like, say someone like Leonard Malton watching this movie who knows way more about movies than I do. Like I like compared to Leonard Malton, Joe don't know shit about movies. Okay. Malton is like the thespian of movies or, you know, 
the cataloger. <laughs> you know, yeah, he is the Encyclopedia Britannica of of all of everything movie related. And so this is this is the kind of movie that you if you knew all these westerns, all these connections, and just names of characters, and then actors they use like Lee Horseman or or even uh, Tom Wopat from Dukes of Hazard, and just I mean, just all this cool shit, you know, and. There's just so much fun and the acting and the music. The only the only complaint I ever had about this movie that I can think of was the use of the Tupac song that's that's used um, during a shootout scene near the end of the film. That shootout scene, that that Tupac song, look, it, it it has rhythm that goes with the scene. Sure, it does, but it just still felt completely out of place. And I still to this day, after seeing this movie like six or seven times now, I still don't care for the song being in there. All right, because there's another hip hop song that's in that movie and it works really really well. It's the the scene where they're all marching towards Candyland and it's really well done. So I know it can be. And there's a song by John Legend in this movie as well that I've been wanting to put on my phone, you know, legally want to put on my phone, but I can't because you have to buy the whole entire fucking album to get the song. So I guess I'll just have to make do in other ways, won't I? Uh, but the song, what did, what did he do to you or whatever? That song by John Legend goes so well with this movie. It just has this rhythm to it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love movies, some certain movie soundtrack songs that are made just for the film. And so, uh, oh my God, I lost my train of thought. Where was it? So no, no, I know, but, um, Another character, Walton Goggins. Okay. Walton Goggins can sometimes be very um, typecast in certain roles. You know, sometimes he feels a little repetitive with certain accents and stuff like Southern accents. But there are plenty of times where his characters stand out big time. And I specifically remember Walton Goggins in this movie because he could, you could tell that he was trying to do like this, um, this, uh, not well, kind of like a Lee Van Cleef slash, uh, Marvin, um, Lee Marvin kind of thing and with his motions and his attitude and stuff. And it was really cool because I don't think a lot of people would have got that. I also noticed that Mad Dog Buford, Tannen, did the same thing in Back to the Future Part 3 after he started shooting at, um, at, at Marty. When uh, Marty, you know, he thought he killed Marty after he fell and stuff. He did the same like type posing stuff like Lee Marvin. And it was really cool because only movie buffs know that shit or, you know, people that know the reference. And so those are good characters. And I I love the fun that this movie does with with, with uh, Don Johnson. There's the, one of the greatest scenes in this movie. Great scene. Absolutely hilarious. Is where all these early early era clan members are all together with their white hoods. I can't see out of this goddamn thing. And you got Jonah Hill and, and Don Johnson and all these other fucking people. And it's so funny. It, it's just great because it, it plays into so many different things like how dumb these people are and, and, and just like even though they have power, they have the power to to disrupt lives and murder people because they're different. But yet they're still fucking retarded enough that <laughs> these <laughs> I can't see it goddamn So anyway, funny ass stuff stuff. And so this movie ends. It has some tragedy to it. It has some fun to it. The action is badass. The musical score and the soundtrack is awesome. I also like this little tidbit when I found out from the trivia that 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 horse that that Jamie Foxx rides at the end of the movie and he does the tricks on after he's won. You know, it's like a end of a video game like like celebration, right? When he does a little dance with his horse, that's his own horse in real life. He's an equestrian and he actually asked Tarantino if he could have his horse in the film and he wanted to show off his moves on it and he did and he got to. That's just cool. This is one of the the dozens, if not hundreds, of different little cool pieces of trivia that are connected to this movie. 
It is so fun. I it cannot be understated. All right. Tarantino makes great movies and each one has its own specific mark. Django Unchained's Unchained leaves a specific mark that should not be forgotten at all. I highly recommend this movie. And I could say it's one of Tarantino's best, but you know what? Fucking everything of Tarantino's is his best because it's each one of them, even Death Proof. I fucking love Death Proof. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Each one of those movies is just a specific love letter to Hollywood and the past. And it's just great. And if you get that, you will enjoy these films and Django Unchained as much as I did. And that's just your opinion.